bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. It's October 31st, and I'm Paul Dragoo. There are a lot of scary things happening out there, and we're going to talk about some of them today. Senator Josh Hawley recently grilled a Biden administration official about its massive role in the resurgence of child labor. Also, the left is freaking out because the new Speaker of the House is a Bible-believing Christian. We have those stories coming up, plus a conversation with the former CEO of the John Birch Society, Art Thompson, about how you can use local action projects to help people understand the big picture. But first, popular InfoWars talk show host Owen Schroyer added a new description to his ex-profile, political prisoner. Known to the federal government as Jonathan Owen Schroyer, prisoner number 05937-107, his 60-day sentence began last Tuesday when he reported to federal prison in Oakdale, Louisiana. In June, Schroyer pleaded guilty to one misdemeanor count of illegally entering a restricted area near the U.S. Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Schroyer was reporting for InfoWars, and he didn't even go into the Capitol. According to sentencing judge Tim Kelly, Schroyer amped up the crowd during the riot, and he spread baseless claims of election fraud. According to the government's sentencing memo, Schroyer said this on January 6. The Democrats are posing as communists, but we know what they really are. They're just tyrants. They're tyrants. And so today on January 6, we declare death to tyranny, death to tyrants. According to reports, prosecutors charged Schroyer because he had previously signed a deferred prosecution agreement after he interrupted a congressional hearing in 2019. As part of that agreement, he said he would not speak, quote, loud, threatening, or abusive language, or engage in any disorderly or disruptive conduct at any place upon the United States Capitol grounds, end quote. Last week, moments before he turned himself in, Schroyer said this to, Hal to Alex Jones. But what remains the top concern is the First Amendment. And so I would argue that the individuals that went to the Capitol for pro-Hamas last week that's their First Amendment right. I would argue that that is their First Amendment right, and they have every right to do it. But the difference is, I don't have that right. And so if the First Amendment is not applied to every American, then we don't have a First Amendment. And if the First Amendment doesn't apply to every American, some get punished for their speech, then we now have an injustice system. So the reason why now, and I'm going to let Norm speak about this, we're going to take this to the Supreme Court, because this is bigger than me. This is a precedent-setting landmark case that Americans can be imprisoned for thought crime, for speech crime, but not only that, an overreach of government and a clear double standard and what to me can only be described as political persecution and what I'm going through. So the next step is the Supreme Court, Alex. Another case that pundits say is about free speech, overcriminalization, and a politicized criminal system is that of Douglas Mackey, a 33-year-old social media influencer from Florida. Mackey was sentenced to seven months in prison after being convicted of interfering with the 2016 election by using the scary weapon of internet memes. According to reports, Mackey used his Twitter account to encourage Hillary Clinton supporters to cast their votes by phone. At the time, he operated under the screen name Ricky Vaughn, and he had almost 60,000 followers. The most notable image he posted was of a woman holding a Clinton campaign sign. 
The picture had the caption, avoid the line, vote from home and text Hillary to 59925. The Department of Justice says that nearly 5,000 people took the post seriously. And for that, a jury convicted Mackey of election interference, or more specifically, a voter suppression conspiracy. Brooklyn Judge Ann Donnelly of New York said Mackey's behavior was nothing short of an assault on our democracy. Headline USA reports that before sentencing, Mackey threw himself on the mercy of the court, begging the judge not to send him to jail. He said he had closed the door on his days as an internet troll. Mackey is appealing his conviction and his attorney is optimistic. Joining me to discuss today's stories are editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and John Birch Society research manager, Christian Gomez. Christian, I saw you laughing over there and you, you made me crap. You made me crack up during this whole thing. Uh, I wanted to get back, back to seriousness here. <laughs> Gary, you're not helping. Um, so it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me, Christian, that there is just enough of a hint of legitimacy in both of these cases uh, to perhaps persuade others. What do you think? You probably disagree with that, don't you? I, I totally disagree with that. I mean, the, the left will say anything that sounds convincing, of course, but uh, this is just an attempt to silence anyone who doesn't go along with the deep state's agenda, that, that, that doesn't uh, conform to what the conspiracy wants them to do. So uh, this is, this is a, a threat on all of us because uh, that meme that uh, uh, he made, Mackie? I, I think it's hilarious, personally. I know, that's, that's what uh, it, 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 it obviously was intended as a joke. I mean, these 5,000 people that they claim took it seriously, yeah. did, did they really not go to vote? Or did they think, oh, that's real, and decided to not check any other? Because, you know, you, you can't log into social media days before an election without seeing things that remind you to go vote in person or right. to, or to uh, you know, get, get a ballot in advance or whatever. So. Anyone could claim, oh yeah, I took it seriously, just so they could silence a conservative. I mean, this is just an attempt to silence people on the right, um, and th th that's all that this really is. Gary, you look like you want to jump in there. Well, first of all, I can't imagine that people people could be that stupid <laughs> that uh, somebody honestly would not vote because of that meme. And as a matter of fact, Paul, uh, if people really are that stupid, or uh, I should say, if the legal system were to claim that people were that stupid. Do you think uh, we might be charged as a result of showing that that mean? Right. I, I mean, I guess that's what Schroyer is saying, too, is this kind of opens up the door to all sorts of, uh, of problems. And, and we'll see if, if the uh, what the what the what the Supreme Court does. It's interesting, I think, to mention also that the, the, the judge who sentenced Owen Schroyer is the one the same one who sentenced Enrique Tario of Proud Boys to 22 years. Tario was also not at the Capitol. I think it's pretty clear what's happening here. This is an assault on our republic. Sure. Not on our democracy, but on our, our republic. So you said it right. Right, right. And, and obviously we hear that every time and we take issue with that. And, and maybe that democracy needs to, 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 be, to be crumbled and assaulted until it's, it's dead in the first place. Because maybe that's the problem we have Careful here. what you say. You get it in prison. <laughs> Right, right. You, know, you, you would be accused, I'm sure, of attacking our former government by people who either refuse to acknowledge or simply do not know that we are a republic, not a democracy, and that the difference is fundamental. Yeah. One is based on the rule of law and the other is based on um, majority rule. I think another uh, important point to hit before we, we go to the next segment is this idea of these demonstrations. Now, the John Birch Society has always frowned 
on these types of demonstrations, and in large part because they never work out well for anyone not on the left. Christian? Absolutely right. I mean, there's always a temptation to want to, you know, get your voice heard and, and be there, but what are you going to accomplish? You're not going to change anyone's mind with a sign, especially uh, lawmakers in power. And the left loves to stage these events because they know that there's conservatives who are naturally upset of, of what's happening and the tyranny and so forth. And these events are often staged so that conservatives can go there, protest, and then the left antagonizes them, provokes them to do some sort of violent action or something that they shouldn't have done if they just had two seconds to think about it. And then there go the cameras recording, snapping, and that is what gets publicized. They don't show you what happened beforehand, or if they do, it's not till way after the fact. And these events are used to, uh, they're basically traps. So to quote uh, Admiral Akbar from Star Wars, it's a trap and conservatives <laughs> totally need to avoid uh, participating in these uh, useless demonstrations. Yeah, what should they do instead, Gary? Well, uh, I think they should stay home and uh, uh, in their local communities, they should inform their fellow citizens and organize their fellow citizens yes. and get their fellow, fellow citizens involved in the freedom movement. Yeah. But if you look at uh, January 6th specifically, undoubtedly that was a trap. Obviously there were agents provocateurs there who were inciting people to do things they should not be doing. And it's interesting too that when you look at some of the, the video, Paul, that uh, there are actually cases uh, recorded on video where the police is simply the police simply stood by and mm -hmm. uh, uh, even held the doors for for people to go into the the Capitol. Right, right, and and there's cases, of, especially of one particular person who's been all over the news of him urging people to go in, and somehow that guy's not in, in prison for for sixty days or ninety days like anyone else. So um, this is obviously very concerning. It is terrifying on this Halloween. Up next, Republicans point out the cruelty of the left's open border policies. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow, safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. It looks like child labor is making a comeback in America. And you can think of Biden's open border policies for that. There's been a massive surge of migrants over the southern border since Joe Biden came to power, and we've reported on it many times. As it turns out, many of those migrants are minors, and many of them end up working in brutal and illegal conditions here in the United States. Last week, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley slammed the director of the Office of Refugee Settlement over the administration's cruel open border policies. That every child gets a know your rights presentation. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that before or after you release them to labor traffickers? 
Senator, every child that comes into our care gets a Know Your Rights presentation as well as... Have you read these New York Times reports, these stories, the, the series of stories the New York Times has done on the children who are in your care? Have you read them? Yes, I have. Have you read that children are scrubbing dishes, they are operating heavy machinery, they are delivering, delivering meals, they are harvesting coffee, they are working construction, they are working as housekeepers, they are working overnight shifts at plants where they are not paid, they are not going to school, they are not cared for, they are not giving meals, almost all of it illegally. Are you aware of that? That's a yes or no. Yes. Do the Know Your Rights presentation help them in those situations? Senator ORR. Uh, That's a yes or no, I think. I, Do you really think that you're helping these children by releasing them to labor traffickers and, yes, sex traffickers, 85,000 children whom you have no contact with, and your answer is we gave them a presentation before we turned them over to these people who are exploiting them on a scale not seen in this country for a hundred years, a century. In February, the Labor Department found that Packer Sanitation Services, Inc. employed 102 children from Central America at 13 slaughterhouses across eight states. Labor Department investigators said the children were cleaning blood and animal parts off the floor of meatpacking plants by night, and they were going to school by day. According to reports, some minors as young as 13 ended up working dangerous jobs that are illegal only for American adults, and they were able to land these jobs with fake IDs stolen from U.S. citizens. Investigators focused on smugglers who provided false identities. Also, the Justice Department was trying to figure out if all of this child labor is part of a scheme to smuggle minors into the U.S. for cheap labor or apparently free labor. In February, the New York Times published an in-depth report documenting how some of the biggest food companies in the country, including Herfside Food Solutions and JBS Meatpacking, had underage migrant children working long hours. It reported that some people sponsored multiple children, hinting that the sponsors were also exploiting them. The report also said U.S. agencies were being pressured from the top to release the children into the interior faster, making it impossible for future follow-ups with them. Earlier this year, Hawley introduced the Corporate Responsibility for Child Labor Elimination Act. That's legislation designed to compel large corporations to do away with unlawful child labor from their U.S. operations. Okay, guys, so this seems to be another case where uh, what the left is doing is the opposite of what it's it claims to be trying to do, and that being compassionate. Oh, all these compassionate open border policies, they're obviously being uh, exploited here, and we haven't even touched, and maybe we'll touch on the fact that on their way there, they, they get raped, they get smuggled. There's all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, I, this, is, this is terrible. What do you think, Gary? The left has always done an excellent job in terms of presenting themselves as humanitarian, and it is a lie. It is a big lie. And this is just one uh, example of that. Uh, the left is responsible for socialism, is responsible for communism, which is full-blown social socialism, which has resulted in misery to tens upon tens of millions, and in fact, many hundreds of millions of people, yeah. uh, many of whom have been, been killed. Uh, you know, innocent uh, men, women, uh, yeah. and children. And uh, the true humanitarian position is the position of freedom. Uh, that, that's where people have prosperity. Uh, that's where people are able to enjoy their God-given rights yeah. uh, without interference from, from Big Brother. 
And I would argue the true humanitarian position here is especially its sealed borders. What do you think, Christian? Absolutely. If, yeah, I would say that the true humanitarian position would be to actually uh, deport these children back to their homes and their families, who I'm sure are worried for them. And if their parents sent them to come across the border, which may be which the may case, be, many which of them may did, be yeah. the case, yeah. uh, well, that's, that's a whole other problem because what kind of pi- ch- parent uh, would subject their child to child neglect because mm-hmm. there's no protection for them as they make this treacherous uh, journey. Right. But they should see, they should be sent back to their parents to their to the protection of their family. Find someone in their in their family chain that will take care of them. And uh, if the yeah. mom and dad are failing, find an uncle back in their home country. But don't don't let them come to the border because when they do, they're they're being taken advantage of, and their parents may never hear from them again. And if they do. The conditions that they're subjected to, like Senator Hawley brought up, are, are inhumane, and uh, th- yeah, they need to be brought home. And, and like some of them who told the, the New York Times, the kids told them, it's like, we never imagined this is what it was going to be like. I want to ask you guys, is this why the donor class supports this kind of migration? Because these are large companies, and, and when you read through the reports, the large companies will always deny that they know what they're doing, and a lot of times they hire these sanitation companies which they claim they don't know about, which may or may not be true. We obviously don't know that. But I can't help but think this is another part of the puzzle here indicating why the donor class wants this, the, all these migrants in. What do you think about that, Gary? I think it depends on, on the person. But uh, I do want to point out that your report, Paul, focused on just one aspect hmm. of this crisis. Yeah. It focused on child labor. And certainly that's bad enough, mm-hmm. uh, the trial, child labor that was being described. But how much worse the, the, the children who actually have disappeared? Yeah. How much worse like the, the, the children have gone into the, the, the uh, sex trafficking? And uh, what is going to happen to those, those children? How many of them even will survive? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and there was a movie that, that had come out uh, earlier in the year mm-hmm. called Sound of Freedom that talked about that aspect of the problem. It's interesting you bring that up because I, I watched an interview uh, with Laura Reese, which was the direct, who's the director of the Border Security and Immigration Center, and she worked uh, for the Department of Homeland Security under Trump and had been in an office in, in government for a while there. And one of the things that she mentioned is that nothing comes to the southern border without the cartels in Mexico knowing about it. Uh, what do you think, Christian? Uh, that's true, huh? <laughs> that's absolutely true. The cartels have a lot yeah. of influence. I mean, I mean, we, we hear about the Biden administration wanting to now erect a, a wall or part of the wall in Stark County. Yeah, and other parts by the Rio Grande they're trying to remove the uh, uh, the fences to let the illegals in. So it's, it's always this case of uh, yeah, deflection. Yeah. Uh, look over here, don't look over here, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but to go back to your earlier, uh, what you were just saying the about class, the, huh? the donor class and the corporations, isn't it hypocritical of these corporations? Because to, to, a, a lot of times they endorse all the woke agenda give big money to uh, Democrats and uh, pro open border Republicans, neocons, and they want to look humanitarian. Oh, we're for, you know, the, the illegals being able Asylum to come Asylum seekers. Yeah, we're for the dreamers and so forth. Yeah, you're, you're the very ones exploiting them. Yes. So it, it's, it's so hypocritical. And I think part of it is also motivated by a desire to um, have cheap labor. But why would they, why do they want cheap labor? Well, because we have a, uh, um, uh, we, we have uh, minimum wage laws in place. Maybe if we got rid of those, they can find that labor here in the United States and they wouldn't have to resort 
to these mm. measures to begin with. Are you but, advocating the removal of a minimum wage law? Absolutely, abolish all of them. Huh. Let people decide the wage that they wish to work at, uh, negotiate it with their employer. What do you think the, of that? Well, Gary? the minimum wage actually hurts the most uh, the, uh, the underclass or the, the lower class because what the minimum wage does is it creates uh, unemployment for people who do not already have the skills. And not only does it create unemployment for those people, uh, it makes it much more difficult for those people to acquire the skills necessary in the first place in order to, in the future, command a higher wage. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Christian. All right, folks, be sure to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And if you don't have one already, you need to get a subscription to the print edition of The New American Magazine. The New American offers in-depth coverage and analysis that you will not find anywhere else. You can subscribe at thenewamerican.com or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. After this, why is Speaker Mike Johnson's faith so scary to the left? In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. New Speaker of the House Mike Johnson of Louisiana is under fire for his religious beliefs. Johnson is a Bible-believing Christian, and today's America, that makes him suspect. His faith has been ridiculed and attacked by a number of outlets and commentators since he was voted as Speaker. Here is former Biden Press Secretary Jen Psaki warning about his Christian worldview from a new platform at MSNBC. First glance, Mike Johnson does seem fine, fine-ish. Conservative, yes. But he once started a civility caucus with a Democrat. And I mean, if nothing else, he wears a suit and has glasses. How threatening can this guy actually be? Well, he gave us all a little clue as to how he would govern in an interview this week. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was an act of God. Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. So what exactly has God apparently called on Mike Johnson to do? Well, his views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. They're more divisive than they are divine. Is Saki correct? Are Speaker Johnson's views on policy essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist? Let's take same-sex marriage, for example. Democrats are criticizing Johnson because he opposed same-sex marriage and because he said homosexual relationships are inherently unnatural, which is true. But Johnson said that before the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriage. 
What does he have to say about it today? The clip that Saki played from Johnson's recent interview on Fox News was from Sean Hannity. In that same interview, this is what he said about homosexual marriage. First of all, on the marriage issue, no one has discussed that for as long as I can remember. This has been settled by the Supreme Court in the Obergefell opinion in 2015. So uh, that's the decision. Now, they they changed the definition of marriage that had been regarded by basically every human society for 5,000 years. But when five justices on the Supreme Court changed it, that became the law of the land. I'm a constitutional law attorney. I respect that. And we move forward. All right, Gary. I know you got some some bones to pick with with uh, Speaker Johnson here, but I do want to point out that it's amazing how threatened these people are by the religion, a, a religion, a faith that was essentially the cornerstone of the people who actually established the country that they now live in and that is so prosperous and so powerful. So I wanted to point that out. But I know, Gary, you got quite a bit to say about this. Well, I really was very disappointed in the answer that Mike Johnson provided regarding his position on homosexual marriage. Apparently, it's okay to throw out uh, 5,000 years of history based on Christianity yeah. uh, and based on uh, uh, the Jewish religion, which was a precursor to Christianity. All that could be thrown out because of five men or, or five people um, mm-hmm. who are, are judges yeah. Uh, making a decision that five people can throw all that out and all of a sudden that becomes the law of the land. And of course, Mike Johnson is now going to support it because he's the law of the land and he understands the law of the land. He understands the Constitution because he is a constitutional lawyer. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what happened to his principles? Are his principles based on uh, what five judges say? Well, what he's saying is he's separating his views, his principles from, from the law. But I find it interesting because later in that interview, uh, which we didn't show, he talks about Roe v. Wade. And he calls that an erroneous ruling. Right. So why, why is the, the ruling on same-sex marriage not erroneous? <laughs> what well, do you maybe, maybe he's a cafeteria Christian. Maybe he's picking, picking and choosing. What do you think, Christian? Um, uh, he, I, I think he's just trying to not be too controversial in that oh, Fox News interview. I, I think he's just playing politics, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, you think he's being soft as, as a dove, clever as a serpent? Could it be? It could be, but like Gary said earlier off camera, that's getting into the person's uh, mind, and I don't know what he's exactly thinking. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Another thing I found curious is Saki said that, you know, Johnson's view a biblical worldview was his worldview. It's not that it informed it or, or, or the other right. way around. It's like, what's the difference? Yes. What is she saying? Well, and I'd like to go back to that because the way Jen Psaki portrayed it uh, is that uh, he's going to take his worldview, mm-hmm. which is based on biblical principles, based on the Bible, yeah. or so he says, and, create a theocracy. and he's going to apply that to public policy, right? Right. But uh, in order to get that interpretation of what, uh, uh, what Mike Johnson said in that interview with Sean Hannity, what, uh, Jean, what Jean Sock, or Jen Psaki said is she pulled it from the, the proper context. So what I'd like to do now, Caden, uh, if you could put on another clip, we have a seven-second seven clip mm-hmm. that shows how the, the context was completely destroyed. All right, let's hear it. Go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's that's my worldview. That's what I believe. And so that's I make your no personal problem. worldview. It's my personal worldview. But His personal, His personal worldview. worldview. Notice how that was left out. Yeah. In the way it was handled by by Saki. 
yeah. to create an impression which does not fit reality, cool. does not fit what he actually said. So, you know, that's his personal view, but he's not going to necessarily apply that to public policy. And he's certainly not applying it to public policy in the case of homosexual marriage. Yeah, apparently not. Well, even in the clip that Saki did play on MSNBC, he says, um, if you want to know what I think about mm. any issue, he didn't say how I would act, how oh. I would legislate. So she's even conflating what he's saying to make yeah. it sound worse than what it is to an audience of people who are Christo uh, Christophobes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she's, Look, she's being highly deceptive and manipulative of You know, there. whatever they want to say, the truth is everyone is influenced by their personal views, okay? So the non-Christians, the non-believers or whatever, they're the ones who are advocating for the mutilation of children. They're the ones who apparently are okay, think it's okay, it's humane to bring these children through. They have a bunch of beliefs uh, that they push into policy based on their beliefs and based on their lack of Christian beliefs. So what, what, what's at stake here, I think, is it's a struggle. It's a struggle of, of, of power uh, between views, between worldviews. That's, what that's what we're dealing with here. That's why we have so many people who are okay with these collectivist ideas, who are okay with tyranny, who are okay with Owen Schroyer going to jail because he went near the Capitol and he said that the people in the Capitol are tyrants, which they are, some of them. So that's really what's at stake here. Why is it okay for them to have their views and it's not okay for others to, for their views to, be, to well, influence policy? Some of the views objectively speaking, should have nothing to do with public policy. Uh, it, it's interesting that the left is upset with, uh, with the new Speaker of the House because he profess, professes to be a Bible-believing Christian. Mm -hmm. But what if instead of professing to be a Bible-believing Christian, what if he were a believer, let's say, in the Aztec religion? What if he believed in, in human sacrifice, uh, which is what the Aztecs did as part of their religion? Uh, they sacrifice countless people uh, okay. to the gods. Yeah. But uh, in a sense, isn't that what the left is doing on the altar of abortion? Uh, aren't, are they not? I was worried where I was going with are this. Are they not practicing human sacrifice? <laughs> they absolutely uh, are. You know, via uh, abortion, yeah. uh, killing preborn babies. And, right. Uh, and that's okay. So uh, that is acceptable. Right. But being against murder, being against killing innocent human life is not acceptable. Right, right. That's that you hit it on the nail, Gary. That's what that's a perfect the abortion battle is a perfect example of what this is about. Right, Christian? Uh, yes, it is it absolutely is. And I mean it's the it's because I was I was wondering, I was like, where's Gary going well, with this? The law should be based on, on something, right? It should uh, be it, it's gotta be based on, on something and what it needs to be based on are Judeo Christian principles. That's what's at stake here. That's uh, the battle. But, but the left is against that. Yeah, uh, they want to be based on human sacrifice right, in right. the case of abortion. John, Jen Psaki thinks it, it is a right to kill babies. Where and her problem with Speaker Johnson is that he likely thinks that is not the case, uh, and and most Christians don't, most conservatives don't, or they shouldn't. And that's what's at stake here. It's about the worldview that is going to dominate policy. Any last words on this, Gary? Well, we got to get back to Judeo-Christian principles, and if we don't, we're going to lose lose our country because what happens politically is downstream from what happens to our Absolutely. culture. Absolutely, there's 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 no separating the two. Thank you, Gary. Up next, Art Thompson joins me to discuss action. 
They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. Here's the news, Dad. Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. Ditch the fake news and always get the truth. Go to thenewamerican.com. In today's action segment, Art Thompson joins me to discuss how we can use local action projects to help people understand the big picture. Welcome, Art. Always fun to have you on. Okay, it's fun being on. <laughs> I, 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 I can't wait to hear what, what you have to say because I have found this to be true. You start talking to someone about something and it's usually about something they care or whatever. And at some point you could kind of rabbit hole, rabbit trail into the big picture or at least help them to realize that it's part of something bigger and then you can really help explain what the deal is. Well, that's really true. There are a lot of people that get concerned with uh, local issues because it affects them personally, mm -hmm. their business, their property, their family, whatever. And they don't always see how that fits into this overall program mm -hmm. of Marxism in the United States to change society, as Marx said in the Communist Manifesto. Mm -hmm. He said that was really the, the issue at hand, was to change society. And so uh, but, but what we can do, for instance, like uh, the successful programs going on in the Midwest and the Great Plains with the uh, capture the uh, carbon the pipeline. Capture. Yeah carbon capture by pipelines. Yes. It's affecting people's property, their personal property. And so that concerns them, but they don't really understand the whole picture of property rights itself. That's why I wrote this book, uh, Property Rights as Sacred as the Laws of God. Which you could get at jbs.org. Yes, correct. <laughs> Shop. Uh, but it, but the people have to understand the fundamentals of property rights, not just how it disturbs their farmland at this particular moment. Mm -hmm. You see, originally property rights were this way. When you owned a piece of property, it wasn't the surface. It was all the way to the center of the earth. Now with diminishing amounts towards the center, but conversely, it was out towards space. You own that as well. You, you own the airspace? You own everything above and below your, your property. But then the airplane came along. Mm. And so that kind of ruined the idea about the airspace. Mm. But gradually over the years, due to various uh, things, uh, you know, with eminent domain and all that, providing uh, sewage, uh, power, water, and yeah. that kind of thing, it's, it's subverted property rights as it originally was. And so people have to understand about those things that are in here. But in addition to that, how does this whole program of carbon capture, for instance, fit into a, a more worldly program? In other words, that there's something else going on besides yes. just carbon capture. That there's a whole program that goes back to the United Nations. So they have to understand the United Nations. They have to understand the the uh, idea of how the United States government falls into that and how they're subservient to it and doing the, the United Nations uh, bidding. So there's a lot of things that can open up a vista mm -hmm. uh, that leads elsewhere. That's a, It's such a great, great example because our coordinator out in Iowa, Tammy Cupsa, 
she i've seen her presentations i've uh, i've even been part of some of them and whatnot and she does exactly that she she says look this is deeper this is what this is this is really where it comes from and we have helped so many people understand from from iowa all the way to south and north dakota understand we've used that we've exploited that if you want to call it that to help people explain this is way bigger than this pipeline that they want to run through your property exactly another thing too is american exceptionalism to get them to understand why we are great, uh, what makes us different from the rest of the world, exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. And and it's amazing how little of this is taught any longer in the schools, even amongst conservative circles. It's amazing the, the ignorance that's involved. Is that part of the big picture, to not teaching American exceptionalism? Because it sure seems like it, the demoralization factor, right? Not only that, but, but they poo-poo it. I mean, to, to believe in American exceptionalism is somehow racist. Yeah, or uh, narrow-minded. Yeah, or fascist and, and that kind of thing because most people don't even know what it is. They need to study the, the Declaration of Independence and, I mean, really understand it. Most people, they kind of gloss over it. It gave us our independence, and the British used to house troops in the homes and so on and so forth. That's back in 1770s. yeah. But if you read that thing, particularly the first two paragraphs of the Declaration, it has a lot of understanding in there once you begin to understand what they've actually written and, uh, and so on and so forth. So we recommend in the Virtue Society that everybody read those things. But in addition to that, to host uh, the Constitution as a Solution video series. Yes. To really understand the Constitution. Because if you don't understand the solution, mm-hmm. you can study the problem all all the time, and all you're going to do is get kind of weirdo because you're just talking about the problem. Well, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Well, I don't know. Yeah. And did, and if you don't know, then you might as well just shut up. Did I ever tell you that I came to the Birch Society and the New American through the Constitution is the solution? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a friend of mine, a, an acquaintance who also happened to be my doctor back in Montana, he sent me links to it. And, you know, I saw that it was like a six-part lecture series. And yeah. I, mean, I was like, what is, you know, what does he expect me to do? But anyway, so I watched the first one, which was mostly overview, as you know. And, and I was hooked. And then I watched the rest of them. And it really re- resonated because I felt like I it, it uh, portrays such a clear understanding and an understanding, a, a perception that the world wasn't getting or that wasn't mainstream. But somehow I understood that was the correct version. And it changed my whole trajectory. It changed the way I looked at politics. It changed the way I looked at republicanism and conservatism and, of course, constitutionalism. And, of course, in, in that series, we really we explained the big picture. Robert Brown, the presenter, explains the big picture. Well, the thing is we didn't get those things in the schools. It's rare in school today that you really study the Constitution, I mean, and understand it, mm-hmm. that it limits government, that it provides, it, it, there's no limitation of the individual in the Constitution. Yes. And so the thing is that, that we have to understand those things, but we also have to get people reading because only can you understand things in depth. Mm-hmm. But then you organize in your neighborhood uh, and you get to trusting people in your neighborhood uh, the New American has just put out a fantastic uh, special edition here on uh, self-preservation. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't quite remember the title of it. Uh, yes, yes. It, it something. Teach you how to, it teaches you how to chop wood. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I like canning and all self-assistance. Yeah, that's, that's it, right. Yes. And, and, and so we... That's our upcoming bookazine. That's what art's talking bookazine. about. Bookazine. That's yes, correct. Yes, yes. And so the thing is that, that people have to understand a lot of, of things like that in order to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. not relying on government. The minute you rely on government, you're you're no longer free. Yeah, yeah. Let me throw another example out there and tell me what you think. There was um, uh, there was somebody I think during the 2020 riots, someone had said something. Uh, it, there was a lot of conversation about the police and yeah. how they there need to be oversight. Yeah. And I had pointed out the reason they want to do this is be, to ultimately take control of the police, local departments uh, by DC. So when they talk about oversight, what they really want to do is they want to control the police departments. And what they want to do is ultimately obtain a monopoly on force. Now, when I told this person that, she goes, that makes sense. And then I went further and I told her, this is part of something even bigger. This is part of building a one world government. And you can't have that if you don't have a force, a monopoly on force. And so that's, is that, would you say that's a pretty good example of how? Absolutely. But uh, on the other hand, too, if you don't know the correct solution, that particular thing can be a real problem because first you've got the Marxist solution and then you have the conservative solution. Mm. And the conservative solution arrives at the same point as the Marxist solution if you don't realize what you're doing because the conservatives say, well, we need to help the police. So the local city councils can't do it, so we need federal aid, we need federal equipment, we need federal instructions and rules and Mm. police reform bill and all the rest of it. And by the time you're through, it's the same thing that the communists want. Thank you, Art. And for people who are listening, we highly, highly recommend you go to jbs.org and there's uh, action projects there's up at the, top, uh, at the top there. You have these tabs and you can learn so much more about these issues and how to get involved. We have committee, how to create committee manuals. We, we do all the work for you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Please join us again tomorrow for another episode. <laughs>